Hello, friends. Welcome to the Mobile Mongo Podcast, where we go behind the scenes in the cheese world to chat with the people making, selling, or distributing your favorite specialty food products. I'm your host, Janae Muha, certified cheese professional, longtime cheesemonger, and producer advocate. Building a business from the ground up is a challenging feat. It's a hustle to make enough money and to be able to reinvest in the business. Rachel Lucas knows this story all too well. Rachel has worked the beat in Seattle over the last few years, creating her perfect cheese job. Her work in the Washington wine world is flourishing with innovative ideas, from educational classes to adding small cheese cases in winery's tasting room. Listen in as I chat with Rachel about the ins and outs of starting a business. Rachel Lucas. Um, Everybody calls me the cheese lady. And I am just one of several, you know, super qualified cheese specialists in the Seattle area. Uh, I, I got into cheese, like, so I grew up in Kansas, and I pretty much grew up on Velveeta, except my dad hunted everything that we ate. And he put blue cheese on everything and i know why now like i'm sure it really helped to offset the gaminess you know but um so i have always loved strong cheese flavors but i didn't really have much access to that kind of thing until i got older but um i have an english degree a lot of people ask me so how does one get into cheese i'm like well first you've got to have a liberal arts degree <laughs> I don't have one of those, so. <laughs> well, I guess that just discounts my theory. But, I um, worked with many, many, many people who have those, so it is. It's a. It's definitely a pathway. <laughs> it's a thing, yeah. But uh, I have this English degree and really wasn't using it. You know, I mean, I had taught for a few years, but it wasn't my thing. And so I mostly I love food, and I mostly was just working at restaurants as a server, you know, and was pretty aimless in my ambitions. I mean, I had a lot of fun, but I really didn't have much uh, direction. But I, uh, when I moved to Seattle on my morning power walks, every single morning, I would stop in the Metropolitan Market in West Seattle and dig through their petite fromage basket. Um, it was just like the little bits and ends, you know, from cheese they were cleaning or whatever. And I was pretty trepidatious about asking questions. I was intimidated. I mean, I hadn't much exposure to that kind of cheese, you know, and, um, I don't know. I thought I would sound stupid or something. So I would just dig through those baskets. And even if they asked if I wanted to try anything, I'd be like, no, thanks. And I'd go home and do research. And I remember telling the guy I was dating at the time, you know, I really wish I could just work in the cheese department at the Metropolitan Market um, because I hated my job. I was just waiting tables at a place. I didn't even like the food, you know. And so like a week later, I went in there and the lady who was managing the counter said, why don't you just work here? I know you love cheese. And I was like, okay. So I started working there. And my very first day on the job, I remember thinking, this is it. This is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. I just like, you know, took it by the reins and, uh, I've just been doing it ever since. It's been 
over a decade. I think it's been like 11 years. So awesome. We are. <laughs> um, so met market and then you've worked at multiple iterations of cheese counters across Seattle. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I, I went to De La Renti next because I wanted to take the CCP exam and that's a really good place to just get a lot of exposure to cheese, to artisan cheese. And I learned a ton there. I worked there for like, I don't know, two, two and a half, three years. And then I went to another place and then another place and then another place. And, um, we just don't really have a lot of cheese shops around here, you know? So I was working in a grocery store as a cheese buyer at the Ballinger Thriftway and they were awesome. Like they let me order whatever I wanted. So it was kind of cheese shoppy, you know, but there were things like, you know, there's so much foot traffic. So you have to wrap all your cheese in plastic and, and it's just like where my cheese department was, it would just get blasted. It was like in the freaking spotlight, just blasted by those LED lights, you know? And as you know, like those lights um, rancidify the fats in the cheese. That light oxidative rancidity is a bitch. It's like the worst thing ever. And so every day when I came in, I'd have to go through and just like pick up the cheese that started looking like it was getting bleached, you know? And, um, it was just frustrating. Like I just, just, I just didn't want to work in a grocery store anymore. I had started studying wine and, um, I couldn't just like work with this one subject and then study this other subject. You know, I needed to get, um, somehow get my foot in the door in the wine industry just for study purposes. And I was just over working in a grocery store. Um, we do have some like good cheese counters at our grocery stores around here. So like, you know, I don't know. I just, it was mostly just like the suffocating in plastic, just not being able to do things the way I think that they should be done. And also like, I don't really like having a boss. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I just had to figure out a way to like go and learn about wine because um, it's been super useful with my cheese career and like figure out a way to like be my own boss so uh i quit that job at the ballinger thriftway and hopefully well i'm not gonna say i don't want to jinx myself i'm not gonna say anymore <laughs> but um <laughs> i started working at a winery called damsel cellars and mary womack the winemaker slash owner is super generous with her information and she was stoked about my enthusiasm for cheese and she really just took a chance on me and like we started a cheese program and um and it's like I'm the only cheese specialist who wants to work with a bunch of wineries and we have more than a hundred of them in Woodenville, you know, it's like I'm the only cheese specialist in Woodenville. <laughs> so all these other wineries, they would just come in like the tasting room manager or whatever, they just come in to taste wine and then I'd give them a cheese plate and start talking about cheese and like what I do. And uh, so then they'd want a piece of me, you know, and um, it that, it's just kind of snowballed. Like I got my business um, license for Brimmer and Heel Tap. They're the first ones to take a chance on me. Um, uh, my friend and your friend, Allison Lieber, um, she just gave me all of her accounts when she moved to New Zealand. And Brimmer and Heel Tap is 
it's still years later the most lucrative account that i have we do this cheese club every month but um when i left the ballinger thriftway i had to get a business license because all that money i was just throwing back into my um my cheese department so it wasn't for me but so i had this license and i didn't even know like i remember telling uh mary my boss at damsel so I got a business license and I was like shrugging my shoulders. Like <laughs> I had no what I I had no idea what to do with it. But it's almost as if I'm along for the ride. Like people have just been um reaching out to me, like wineries, you know, asking me to like serve cheese at their um their club release or like put together a cheese program for their cheese plates, their in-house cheese plates. And anyway, it's just it's been awesome. It's like an actual business, you know? Yeah, you've been hustling. It's been really fun watching you. Not even just like hustling to make money, but the way that you also um, study for, you know, I know that you've taken the taste test and you are working your way up to a high level. So, so I can never say that word, sommelier. Um, but I just, I always am impressed with how intensely you focus on things. Um, I would love to talk a little bit about the the studying that you've done for the different tests that you do. How do you approach that? Well, <clears throat> I've always been really obsessive. Like I fixate on things, <laughs> which hasn't always been, you know, the best quality but it makes me a really good student. And also I'm just super determined. Like once I get my mindset on something, like I have tunnel vision. I mean, nobody really wants to talk to me anymore because all I want to talk about is my business, <laughs> you know, and um, wine and like salivary glands and stuff, like, <laughs> you know, anything, but it all revolves around my business. So uh, yeah, I just, uh, Basically, at the beginning of COVID, I was like, oh, my gosh, I need a I need a project. And I mean, I know there are other cheese exams out there, but I thought, you know, I should like try to learn something about wine. So I signed up for the Society of Wine Educators uh, Certified Specialist of Wine exam. And it it's not rudimentary. Like it wasn't <laughs> I could have started with something a little bit um, more tangible, but I had a year to study for it. So I studied like three hours every single day for a whole year. And at the beginning, I knew nothing. I mean, I knew like certain wines that I liked, but I was one of those cheesemongers who would be like, yeah, this cheese will go with the Syrah, you know? Um, <laughs> I never do that anymore. I like, you know, where does the Syrah come from? Like, and also not to mention like what clone it is. And what's the climate what's the vintage all those things play into it so like but i was one of those people like yeah this could be great with a merlot you know i knew nothing and um so i just like put my face in the books there wasn't anything else to do everything was like shut down you know so it was pretty easy and um and in the place the, the thriftway where i work they let me purchase the wine like at a huge discount so that helped but um yeah I just like went for it I was trying to pass it with 100% because if you did then they pay for your next exam but I didn't quite I, I passed it with a 93 so that's pretty 
that's and pretty then, darn good. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. It was all theory though. Like it was a multiple choice test, just a lot of like cramming information into my brain and just being able to like, I had a lot of mnemonic devices that I used, you know, but then I, right after that, I signed up for the wine and spirit education trust um, level three exam. Like I just didn't even mess with levels one and two. And I spent another like eight months studying for that. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm not going to pass this test if I don't go and like work with wine. Like the only reason I know what I know about cheese is because I work with it for so long you know like you have to have that um the you have to have that kind of like um accessible like I just needed that like tangible experience I needed someone to talk to me about uh what we were tasting and what like especially with the flaws like well, anyway, I just needed someone to talk to, basically someone to talk to about the wine. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's that. And now I'm studying for the certified wine educator exam, which, um, because I do a lot of, uh, like, cheese and wine tasting events and classes and stuff, and even though my end game is to have a shop, I just, I want a place where I can do production and people can come in and buy wedges off the wheel, you know, like it should be. But uh, I want to keep doing classes and doing education. I really love it. So here we are. I have like two years to pass this exam. So I'm still obsessing. <laughs> but uh, I think two years will be good for you. <laughs> yeah. um, so all of this work, I love the fact that um, in Seattle, those of us who are very actively in cheese, we all kind of have our, we've, we're finding our pathways and they're all a little bit different, which makes it wonderful. Um, because, yeah. you know, we have Courtney and Taylor and street cheese on the South end. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just kind of here and around. And then you're definitely working with a lot of the wineries. Um, and it's just really cool that we've all been able to kind of find our places at, in in the world of cheese in Seattle. Cause I don't think a lot of people really realize the lack of counters that we actually have here. Cause it's almost all grocery store counters, except for De Laurenti and PFI. And there's just not very many, like especially cut to order counters. Um, right. So you're starting to add some new cases into some of these wineries. And I would love it if you would talk about that. Cause I'm really interested in that thought process and how you manage um, those cases. Yeah. So I, like I said, I do lots of classes and tasting events and I always have cheese left over and it, it just sits in refrigeration and nobody knows about it, you know, and I don't have time to just go and sell like a half pound of cheese here and there and like drive it around, you know? So I had the bright idea one time while I was driving in my car that I should just put like a countertop display case, you know, in some places like there are these wineries, they all like, they want to work with me. They want my cheese around. So I thought, what if I just start buying these little these refrigerated cases and they can put them on a counter. They don't take up too much space. And then I can have a rotating selection just based on whatever I have. Like, so it's not like I'm, 
I, I typically don't go out and buy new cheese for them. I just already have it. And um, so the, the first one I put in Wit Cellars in the warehouse district. Um, in Woodenville, we have, you know, several wine districts. So this one, uh, they've been super supportive. They love cheese. Those gals sell the crap out of my cheese. And it's just a means of passive income, you know, and I can't afford a brick and mortar right now. So this is the next best thing. Like just having these cheese cases by the cheese lady just freckled throughout. So um, I've got one at Wit Cellars. Um, I have one at Damsel Cellars. It's huge and her tasting room in this in the artisan hill district is only open on saturdays and sundays so it's a ridiculous size for that amount of time being open so we're moving that one to the hollywood district and putting a small one in her damsel spot and then in the artisan hill spot and then i just launched another one at bayer winery in wine alley and i'm putting one in lata um down in Soto at Soto Urban Works. I, I love Lata so much. <laughs> like the first time I tried their wine, um, this is an aside, but the first time I tried one of their wines, it was a GSM and it smelled and tasted just like Kirkham's Lancashire. And that was the first time I'd ever had a wine, you know, that I could describe as cheesy. And anyway, I was, I've been hooked ever since. I, love them their wines are atypical and the winemaker is kind of eccentric and just cool and I, I love working with them so even though soda was like so far away from here I'm I'm doing it because I because they're worth it but so I've got like by the end of next month it should be five cases that I'll have going and then um hopefully I'll get a brewery I'm I'm I got my uh, my eyes on Stoop Brewing and Ballard. Like, I think that they're going to do it. I'm just, I'm going to be persistent. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, so like it's a rotating selection. I'm actually sitting in front of Wit Cellars right now to grab the cheese. I only, I wrap it in this cheese paper and, um, you know, it it's tucked away in the perfect temperature and humidity with these cases and so like every week or two I mean I'll go and like check on them but two weeks tops I'll pull them and replace them with fresh cheese so that you know you're you're always getting a fresh wedge and I try to source stuff that you can't just like find at the grocery store because otherwise what's the point um I feel a little bit like in a friendly competition with street cheese like I don't know if they even know this but like I know they also try to source like stuff that's just not available, you know, and it inspires me to do the same. And I want to get stuff that street cheese doesn't have. And I'm, I'm hoping that they feel the same way about me because it's just kind of a fun, friendly kind of competition, you know? Absolutely. And the, but the more, the more good cheese that we can inundate Seattle with, the better off we all are. Totally. Yeah. And, and this also gives me an opportunity to um, encourage people to support like the small artisan producers, you know, the ones who prioritize sustainability and, and practice humane animal husbandry. Like we have to support those guys, you know, before 
it's too late. So it's been pretty cool. <laughs> so are the wineries cutting stuff themselves when they sell plates or like how do how does that work like um okay so the wineries that are able to plate the cheese i cut it all i portion it out in my commissary and um deliver it like weekly or twice a week i swaddle them in the same cheese paper and um anyway so it's like fresh and if they have a kitchen a licensed kitchen then they can um just unroll them out of their paper and put them on a plate blah 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 blah. you know like some places have me splice meat for them other places have me like portion up olives and almonds or whatever but everybody gets their own program and uh no no other place has the same cheeses on their plates um then they're like it's encouraged around here for people to have food available you know but if you don't have a kitchen if it's pre-packaged then you can still sell it so there are other places where i i just put together grab and go boxes um and they get them every week and then sell them you know over the weekend while people are tasting wine they can have some cheese and all the stuff that goes in the grab and go boxes so Awesome. That sounds really, really cool. Um, and I know you do some where you're actually there selling too on certain days where you're working at the winery and you're selling too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'm the house cheesemonger at Damsel Cellars. And then, you know, I'll do cameos. I'm just getting so busy though, that I can't just like hang out at a winery and drink wine and wait for people to come in and like, want to talk about cheese, you know? <laughs> um, those days are done (laughs) probably a little bit unfortunately though too yeah I mean there's like when I bring in cheese for the places that have my cases I bring samples that they can like dole out you know and we always taste the cheeses with the wines to figure out which one pairs best so when they're serving that wine they'll bring a little bite of that cheese and then Oftentimes people will purchase a wedge and a bottle, you know, the pairing to take home and replicate. So that's been pretty cool. But that also gives me an opportunity to like still taste the wines. Right. But you're also doing some fun education with people who probably don't have that same cheese education. So you can impart that to people who are unsuspectingly learning. Yeah. Yep. Um, you've also done some cheese writing too, because we just had Alexandra Jones on the podcast talking about cheese writing, but you've done a little bit of that in your past. Are you still doing some of that stuff too? Whenever I can, um, I have, I have this really grandiose long-term goal of like publishing a book, probably like so many of us, (laughs) but you know, I need to just, I need to get my stuff published as much as possible. So I've been um, sending out pitches sometimes. I'm just so damn busy right now. Like the studying takes up a lot of time, but um, I have been writing for Tasting Room Magazine. Um, They have hired me to be their cheese writer. So uh, they are a local magazine and they focus on the the wineries in um, Washington. And uh, so I don't think that I'm in the next publication, but I've had a couple of articles published. And then I used, I was writing for um, 
it's a it's a blog uh taste washington travel but i just i just don't work i i was volunteer writing for him <laughs> you know and i'm at this point where i i'm not working for free so like i would love to write for your whatever but you got to pay me fair enough you know what i mean <laughs> understood <laughs> Um, what what are you hoping this looks like down the road? I know that you've mentioned already that you want to open a brick and mortar. What would that look like for you? Okay, so I'm on a five-year plan. And the first two years, I'm just studying for this test and like doing what I'm doing and building relationships. But by the fifth year, I should have a spot. At least I should have enough money to like lease a spot where I can have a case you know with wheels um so you can come in and see me and i can cut off of the wheels cut to order uh, just because you know you know that preserves the cheese's freshness better so it's just the way that i want to do it and also that would be a spot where i can do production and so i would like to keep having these cheese cases and then i can just keep uh you know replenishing them and that would just be one facet of my business. And I want to keep doing the classes and stuff. So it's just starting to look like a brick and mortar for me would just be a spot where I could keep like prepping all these platters and the all just all the cheese stuff that I do. And people can come to me and pick it up, you know, like because I do a lot of driving around, like it's a lot of running around making all these deliveries and stuff. And um and then also like having to go to the commissary, it's just a lot. So I would like to get it all concentrated in one spot, but continue doing what I'm doing because, you know, you get a brick and mortar and what if you don't have a lot of foot traffic? Like what if people aren't going to come in there and buy your cheese? Like, I think it's important to have layers, you know, just to protect yourself. So this, I guess, all, all the work that I've been putting into building relationships with these wineries, I think will just help me to um, succeed, to be successful. Like, even though I got to have a spot, I need a landing spot, you know? A home of your own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, we'll have a shop up here in the North. I know street cheese will have a shop down in the South. Janae, you could have a spot right in the middle. Like, I know you're in, like, Shoreline area. Yeah. Like, what about Greenwood? You could put a spot in Greenwood. I think that would be a great place for a shop. I don't know that I want to open a shop, to be honest. I thought that I did for a long time. But the more that I'm away from customer service, and there's so many things that I love about customer service. But there's also so many things that I hate about it. Um, the more, th the further I am away from it, the more I'm okay with being away from it. Um, and yeah. also, I just, you know, obviously with pan the pandemic, I haven't been able to travel as much, but I don't want to be tied down. I want to be able to pick up and go wherever I want to go. And not have to like either close up the shop or put it in somebody else's hands. Um, and I think that, you know, you might understand this too, but like, I think it helps for Courtney and Taylor that they have each other. And for those of us that are kind of 
the lone the lone wolves, if you will, um, that it is harder to kind of think about long term things like this when it is you doing everything. Yeah, I know. I I think about that a lot when I have like four events in one weekend and like if there was another one then I could share they could share the load with me you know but also if there's another one then you don't get to like host the show you know so I and I like have I like doing things my way but yes I I do like sometimes I see them you know posting stuff they're working together and like I just feel like wow they must get stuff done twice as fast and <laughs> you know <laughs> they must be so productive but yeah I I totally agree like and also I don't know if I would be a good boss like I don't I don't see my I don't think it's going to be an end, like a big enterprise because I don't want to ha really have employees. I, I might have one or two people who like, they need to be people who do it the way I ask them to do it. They have to be clean and sanitary and wash their freaking hands. And, um, and I, I don't know, I just have standards, you know, and most people don't meet them. <laughs> I think it would be really hard to be a boss. I I I don't mind working for myself, but I mean, I don't know. I, I think it would be hard to trust people, you know, that's, if this is my baby. Yeah. And I think that's a big piece of it too, but it's more, for me, it's not necessarily, I mean, I also have my very like specific ways that I like to do things also. Um, but I think that it's, uh, putting that trust in someone else is a big, it's a big thing when you're talking about your livelihood. Yeah. 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 And that's, <laughs> um, but here's, I mean, here's a random, here's not a random question, but a question that kind of leads into that too, is like, um, you are super busy right now. So when do you put the stop on like how many events you can do in a weekend? Like what kind of boundaries are you setting for yourself to not overwhelm yourself and burn yourself out? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I, I, I have been throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks, you know, and really it's just been trial and error it, but it, it's been one year so I pretty much know what I can handle and what I can't and then with the more cheese cases that I'm installing the fewer events I'm going to be able to do like I I'm definitely not doing four events in a weekend ever again you know I mean a girl's got to sleep and my health has definitely been kind of put to the side like I haven't had much time to exercise I haven't I haven't been getting enough sleep and like my eating habits I mean I like to eat at home I like to cook and I like to have you know balanced meals but when you don't have any time and you have to just like do takeout I don't know it's just not as healthy and so I made a goal of not doing that to myself I have to have one day off a week like I would go two months without a day off and realize like oh I don't even know when the last time I've had a, 
any kind of rest is, you know, it's, that's not sustainable. So, um, I've, I have definitely reined it in. I'm trying to streamline things so that this year isn't as hard as last year. And I mean, it's only the end of January, <laughs> but I've done pretty well so far. Like I'm, just trying to be more selective about the events that I do. Like I'm not going to waste my time on, you know, ticketed events that aren't selling enough tickets. Like I have a minimum and if they are not met, then I just, I cancel because it's not worth my time. Like I'm not paying to work. Like I have to, it's a business, you know, I got to make money, but I, you're right. Like a person has to take care of herself. So yeah. And I don't think that that's a piece of it that a lot of people talk about when you're opening a shop or you're getting ready for all of that stuff. There's so much, so much stress involved in all of that. And so much running around that, you know, there's a lot that we personally let go of in those moments. And I think it's important to keep that on the top of mind, especially these days. Um, just because, you know, everybody is getting burnout. And also you don't want to lose the passion that you have that is so evident in everything you do, because that's one, the fastest way to get rid of that too. For sure. Well, I guess I'm told that CEO burnout is the, one of the main reasons why a business fails. So I've stuck that in my pocket. <laughs> and also you deserve rest. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And to exercise because like I'm a moderate exerciser. I'm not trying to have a hard body here, but I need it for my mental health. Like it's really important. It's really obvious when I haven't exercised for a couple of days and the last two months, like the holidays, I went like, I don't know. I went like seven weeks or something without having a workout um, and, and doing yoga and, um, I felt pretty miserable. So I'm not do I'm not doing that to myself again. It's not worth it. You're right. Like I love cheese. I'm super passionate about it, but like at some point, if I'm not allowing myself to have anything outside of like the business, then I'm going to resent it. And that's not cool. Yeah. I think that you'll be fine, but I also think that, you know, once you, I think you're starting to build your processes of like what this business is going to look like for you for a while. And then once you kind of have that down, you'll be able to streamline it and figure out your timing better. It is hard in the first like year or so of like trying to figure out what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also have made an executive decision to not take on any new clients because the, the businesses that I work with, you know, they want to do multiple things with me. So I'm just going to continue building um, the, that rapport and I'm just not taking on anything new. I'm going to do, I'm doing myself a favor. I think it's the smart thing to do. I think that but, sounds like a great idea. <laughs> thanks, Janae. Thanks for your support. Um, Are you ready for some quick round questions? Sure. Yeah. What is your current cheese crush? Are we talking about a cheese or a cheese person? <laughs> However you want to take it. I've had both. Uh, I've had answered both ways. And you can, if you want to put that out on the, on the worldwide web, then that's up to you. Okay. My cheese crush person is 
100% the milk trucker guy. Oh, yeah. Trevor Wormdahl. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my newest cheese crush is Cornish Kern. Have you had that cheese? Yeah, it's been a while, but yeah, I've had it. Oh, my gosh. I love it so much. It's my winter cheese. It's a good winter cheese. Yes, it is. All those delightfully British cheeses. I'm excited to yeah. get over there one of these days. Over across the pond? Yeah, well, because I was supposed to um, go right at the beginning of, like, basically, I was supposed to leave on the 14th of March of 2020 to go mm-hmm. spend two weeks with Neil's Yard Dairy. And that didn't happen, so. God, I know. What a drag. Yeah. I was excited for you. I was planning on um, just, like, following along on your adventure. Because you did go there, right, with the uh, Cheese Journeys? No, I went to Holland with Cheese Journeys. Um, okay, that's right. Yeah, so this this would have been my first time going. But I'm keeping my fingers crossed if everything pans out this year. I'm really hoping that I can go hit up uh, Mondial in France. And then literally the weekend after that is Bra in Italy. Um, and then get that two-week trip with Neil's Yard because the thing about it is is thankfully I have connections with them and they were like whenever you want to come out you're more than welcome so and if I'm going to take a you know 10-hour flight I'm going to make it worth my while <laughs> yeah that sounds like a blast do all the things fingers crossed I have to make money somehow to make that happen so someone told me that on Alaska Airlines you can like do deposits for tickets interesting yeah i'm i have this the contract with waska that i'm doing and i know that uh i will be busy like basically march through june with going out and photographing at the farms and whatnot so i'm hoping i can bank some of that to send me to to europe for a month so fingers crossed that's gonna be a blast yeah i have my fingers crossed for you and then i know that you'll uh you know, re- report back to everybody. So it'll be like, I'm there. <laughs> exactly. I try to share not in a, like be envious of me, but like, there's like cool stuff happening everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And your photos make it that much sweeter. Thank you. Um. Okay. Next one. Favorite pairing. Oh, or your current now, go-to pairing, I guess. Oh, you know what? One that I really love um, is maple fudge, Roquefort, and Tawny Port. Okay. Yeah, I could totally say that. So remind me, the Tawny Port is... Um, sorry, I as a sober person, I don't have to pay attention to alcohol anymore. Um, yeah. But I did used to drink port a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's just it's the fortified um wine from Portugal that's got it's a little bit more like caramelly. There's a ruby port too that's a little bit like leaner. It's younger. The tawny port um is yeah just big and full on the palate and like a mouthful of coffee and toffee and caramel and nuts it's good it's yeah a I, de- dessert pairing. I definitely used to drink quite a bit of port but i tended towards the white port i think was really? more of yeah 
But I like, you know, I drank a lot of white wines too. Like Chenin Blanc is like one of my favorites and I yeah. I drink a lot of whites in particular. You know, I really feel like Chenin Blanc doesn't get the credit it deserves. It's very versatile. Like, you know, it can be a dessert wine. It can be bubbles. It can handle, it can stand up to oak like Chardonnay does, you know, but it can also be reductive and like steely, like Sauvignon. Yeah, that's a good grape. Yeah. I mean, I am gladly sober now, but, you know, I did used to delve into that realm quite a bit, <laughs> <laughs> leading to my gladly sober now. <laughs> I'm glad you're sober too. <laughs> um, What is like your best cheese memory or food memory? It doesn't have to be like the thing that you ate, but like, I don't know, a time or place that you just like think about when you're needing that moment of cheese calm something that i'm really into is like palatal development so i th i think the the thing that sticks with me i mean it was just i don't know if it's necessarily like something that was mollifying but it was really eye-opening to me when i worked at de la renti we used to do um like we do wine tasting and we had to go i don't know if you had to do this when you worked there but we'd have to go and pick cheeses we'd everybody would pick a cheese to pair with the wine and then we'd all vote on what the best pairing is and i was really damn good at it from the on the onset like it was just where i needed to be but i just remember this one time we had a, an israeli wine and all i could smell was rotten eggs that's all the wine smelled like to me it was horrible and now i know that it's a flaw it's hydrogen sulfide you know but at the time i was like what the hell is wrong with this wine? But only about a third of us could even smell it. And that's when I realized like, holy crap, we all have such completely different um, senses. You know, we all, per we're all here perceiving everything super differently from one another. And it really, that's when my cheese mongering changed. I stopped planting flavor seeds and telling people like, this is what you should expect to taste or whatever, you know, it's really just, I guess, just opened me up to like, we all, we're all right. Nobody's wrong. You know, we're all perceiving this all completely differently. Even the flawed wine that only a third of us could smell, like that wine needed to go. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was a, that was probably one of the most, um, that was a pivotal moment for me. So I'm super grateful for De La Renti for that. Yeah. And I mean, I think that helps to take out some of the judgment that we can often, I mean, we've all been there where we've judged people for things that they've eaten or done or whatever. And that can help definitely take out some of that judgment when you see it firsthand that everybody is approaching this thing in a different, in a different way from our past to things that we grew up eating. Like everybody has a different idea of or a different perception of taste or their senses. Yes. And that's something that I had an issue with, with um, the W set. Like they have a lexicon that you have to follow, you know, just like there are lexicons for cheese, but uh, you know, so you're taking the exam and someone grades it and say, I perceive, you know, the white wine is being like lemon, but the person who's grading it perceives it as gold. Well, then I get it wrong, you know, or like, for instance, 
um, fine leaves, like that autolytic aroma, they, on the lexicon, it's like brioche, toast, biscuits. That's not what I smell. What I smell is cooked grains, like farro, steamed rice. But I can't say that because that's not on the lexicon. So I smell steamed rice and I have to say brioche, you know, and um, I don't know. I just haven't, I take an issue with that. But, you know, you do what you got to do to pass the test. But, but it's just another one of those case in points, you know, like we all are just perceiving life completely individually. And it's not my place to tell someone that what they're perceiving is wrong or right, you know? Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's been so hard to create something like the taste test for, you know, the American Cheese Society, because taste can be so subjective, even in flaws. It's so subjective. Yeah. We do our best to try and <laughs> get around that stuff, but it's, you know, there's some inherent issues all around with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the, the Society of Wine Educators, um, those are the folks, that's the organization for which uh, the test that I'm taking um, belongs to whom the, it belongs. And the person who's in charge of it, like they changed their taste portion of the test just because typicity like isn't really a thing anymore so um and we all perceive things so differently that I just really appreciate like they it used to be you had to taste like I think it was eight wines and you had to identify the grape and what region the wine comes from <laughs> but because of climate change and um, just the way how subjective taste is, uh, they totally changed that whole portion of the exam. And I just respect, I respect that a lot because, um, yeah, just because like we all perceive it so differently. And good on them for, um, taking that into the forefront and really, um, moving with the times as, as you will, cause that is what is needed in most things. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, so where can people find you? How can they get in touch with you if they want to know more about what you're doing? Well, don't call me. <laughs> <laughs> she uh, won't answer. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so you can get on my website. No judges there. I need to, I need to find someone to hire to like, do my how are you good at that kind of thing Janae you want to do my website for me like I feel like I'm not very good at even my own but it works <laughs> yeah well mine barely works like someone told me that they pushed on my Facebook link on my website and this was months ago when they told me and it takes you to some completely different Rachel on Facebook it's not me oh no and I I haven't even ventured I haven't even like looked at it to even think about how to change it. I just like, I hate the website, but, it, but you can find on cheese lady loves wine, LLC.com. You can find my upcoming events. I've figured out how to do that. So every month that's updated and um, you can find me on Instagram, uh, cheese lady loves wine, Seattle, or you can email me at cheese lady. L-U-K-A-A-S at gmail.com. Cheese Lady Lucas. <laughs> you know, because cause. So 
uh, yeah, that's about it. Don't call me. Or you can like come to one of my events and meet me and talk to me or come and visit one of my cheese cases and then reach out to me and tell me about what cheese you got and how much you liked it and what you paired it with. Uh, is there anything that we didn't get to that you would like to talk about or bring up? Um, I don't know. You were really thorough. I just appreciate you uh, asking me to be on your show. And, you know, I guess the one thing I can reiterate over and over and over again is to please support the small producers, support the small farms, support your local food people. Absolutely. Smart. Support your local small businesses because, you know, as we saw during the pandemic, they're the ones who can uh, usually maneuver a little bit uh, easier in times of crisis and they will be the ones to feed you in the apocalypse. Yep. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining me, Rachel. And I'm really excited to see uh, what what you're doing in the future. Well, thanks, Janae. I'll keep you posted. I got a brand new raclette thing. I got one of those ones that holds a half wheel. So that's my new winter project. I'm hoping. I, I used it for the first time yesterday, and it was awesome. I so I'm that. hoping that I'll be doing that all winter. Rachel's hard work is making the wine world a cheesier place, and we are all better for it. It's truly amazing watching people make their dreams come true. This podcast is recorded, produced, and edited by me, Janae Muha. Musical credits go to my husband, Ben Muha. If you'd like to continue the conversation, find me on Instagram, Facebook, or Patreon. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite listening platform so more people can find this podcast. Thanks for listening, and remember to keep spreading the word of good curd. Thank you.